Okay, we're live. Welcome to episode 10 of the This Is Not Financial Advice podcast. I am uh, sitting here stalling while my incompetent partner, Bradley Kirschbaum, uh, aka Fat Mac, tries to join. Looks like he's in. Today, uh, we're going to be catching up from a break of a little summer break, breaky break after a couple weeks. And uh, we're going to talk all things freaking China, uh, the CCP, and how they're freaking evil. What's up, my dog? How are you? I'm good, dude. You got to turn your mic on, my man. In the app, hit the button, turn your mic on. Sorry, Biden. What Give the heck? There you go. Are you go. hearing? Buddha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. It only took uh, 10 times now. We got it I, now. I could hear myself talking in my own speakers. I don't know, man. This yeah, app. That's all good. How the heck are you, dude? Dude, I'm okay. I'm ready for the weekend, man. It has been it has been a ridiculous week, let me tell you. Bide, I hope your weekend's been going well. Thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, why why has it been going so crazy, dude? Uh, well, if you guys don't know, I'm a hustler. I'm a grinder. I'm a businessman. I'm an entrepreneur now, and money doesn't sleep. I feel like my laundry list of things to do just keeps just keeps growing and growing, man. It's like. It's one of those things, like I kind of now appreciate the nine to five in the context of you check out at 5 p.m. Like you do not take anything home. If you have a job where you don't take any work home with you, good for you, man. Good for you. No, I hear no, you. Dude. No, I, I definitely, I definitely need an intern. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, it's been a whirlwind for me here too, dude. I, you know, my, one of my oldest friends got married in Normandy. So uh, since last episode, I did a whole freaking trip to f- Paris uh, went out to Normandy and then went up to London with my fiance after the wedding. It was a record freaking heat wave, uh, in London, oh. the hottest day, the hottest day on record ever in London since they started recording the temperature, like how, however how, many how, fucking hundred years ago. What was it? It was like 103. Was it yeah, still dude. foggy or was it all like blown over? No, no. Well, can you imagine if you got there and it was 103 and it was still foggy and you're, I was, was it crazy humid? Uh, now, I mean, n- compared to what you're used to, beautiful Southern California, I'm sure, yes, but uh, yeah. it, was, it was mild compared to uh, Florida or Virginia. The land of milk and honey here in SoCal. Yeah, dude, you are uh, in God's country other than the state taxes, but at least the government can't fuck the weather up out yeah. there, huh? <laughs> well, we'll see about that. Well, Normandy <laughs> sounds nice. Normandy has been a romantic destination for Americans for, for ages. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, no, so it's funny. We um, we got into Paris and um, and uh, Alex was like super concerned about the pickpocketers, right? I was like, all right, hey, uh, just, just freaking chill. Like, yeah, I'm sure it's happened, but like, it's not going to happen to us. Not a big deal. Like, so just just calm down. She was like, you know, being freaking neurotic about it to the point where it's annoying the shit out of me. So anyways, dude, we get on the train after Charles de Gaulle. Of course, she's pissed at me because I slept... I was asleep before takeoff and I woke up like as we were landing in Paris, you know, I just, I just time traveled to Paris. She was up the entire time. Right. So, um, we get to Paris, she's miserable and tired. I'm like a, you know, I'm like a, I'm like a freaking, you know, I'm like a, a, a spry, uh, duck, you know, I'm ready to freaking go, dude. Um, so we get on the, we get on the subway. She's all tired and miserable and we're going from the airport to where my buddy lives in Paris and, um, you know, she's like, watch the pickpocketers. Da, da, da. I'm like, okay, like you've said it a hundred times. Would you just fucking chill out? God. And, um, anyways, Brad, no shit. 
we get to like the first stop, but it's like people all up in your face, right? Like, I mean, this thing is sweaty. No one's wearing deodorant. It's hot as fuck in Paris. It is just miserable. We're going through the hood of Paris. They have a hood there. It's not good. Oh, let me tell you that much. Anyways, we're going through the freaking, you know, they just basically all these immigrants have come there and there's no jobs for them. So it's just all these people just chilling Uh, on the block, just hanging out. And they, you know, inevitably bad shit happens. But anyways, dude, we get on the train. We're going through this bad neighborhood. We've only been on the train for about 10 minutes. And Alex is like, watch out for me. The train comes to a stop right as the doors open. No shit. One fucking foot away from me. These like band of gypsy girls fucking rip this lady's purse off of her. I mean, no shit. This lady was like literally a foot away from me and she's like fighting all her shit flies out everywhere, like her phone and wallet and stuff. Anyways, she's like, you know, bumping elbows with people. And it's like a riot in there for a split second. And she, uh, you know, fortunately, um, I don't think they got away with anything. And, you know, right as the doors were shutting, of course, that's when they, you know, that's when they sprint out and then the train starts moving. So they kind of ambush you there. But I was like, oh, fuck. And of course, you know, the biggest bummer about it was the fact that I had to hear that I was wrong and Alex was right for the, you know, for the <laughs> remainder of our trip. But uh, Dude, so they had been riding on the train with you and the, the future victim and then they timed the doors to just grab and go. So they identify what they want while they're on the train. Then they'd grab the purse and run off with the doors. Yep, yep, yep. They use that little transit time to, like, figure out who they're going to rip off. You know, so if you're ever over there, don't stand by the freaking doors. It, You know, yeah. you may yeah. may not want to touch those disgusting, sweaty seats in there, especially if it's hot as hell. Um, but get away from the doors if you're over there. Because I was, like, under the impression, oh, that, you know, obviously that happens. But, like, you know, it happens here or there. You're never going to see it. Of course, dude. One <laughs> foot away from me. I was ready to freaking bop one of these chicks right in the freaking noggin dude they didn't, they didn't <laughs> dude, i'm not afraid to hit a frenchman man oh i'm freaking uh you know one of these one of these like uh little ho- homeless gals dude open season but they knew that they knew that that's why they didn't uh, they this is why me. we need more guns man you can't rob someone when you don't know if they have a freaking glock in their shorts Oh man, um, I, you know I'm not going to touch that one with the ten foot pole. Here. <laughs> I, was to, I was trying to see if we can get things fired up in the in the chat. I don't know. Let me get, get me fucking going here, dude. <laughs> no. um, hey, speaking of speaking of uh, you know running out with people's money, how about those Chinese, huh? Dude, well, yeah. I mean, I was. We're, are you ready to go there? Sure. Yeah, let's get okay. more ammo for. Before we get there, let's check in on how the markets did today. Uh, Ooh, yeah. We're looking at uh, SPY was up about uh, 150. Um, Freaking uh, gold's up. Gold's up about a uh, percent and a half. Uh, the NASDAQ was up almost 2%. On a pretty, pretty good run, we're uh, closing out here on the month of July. Best run since I think us all stacked of November. 2020 um so i guess that's good for everybody i mean we're barely bouncing off the tenure so uh yeah congratulations everybody you're not losing money this week most likely yeah so trade tracker i've been just selling cash covered puts uh in the s&ps for about the past month here which has worked out pretty nicely for me 
Um, but yeah, you've kind of wanted to get into this and talk about it before, but I'm tracking a couple of my trades here. Yeah. Uh, while you, while at... you pull those up, I just want to address the audience. Bidester says he can't honestly tell if this podcast is satire or not. Bidester, welcome, man. Uh, usually it's, uh, you know, the chat's a little low. Usually we have two people in there, not just one. And uh, yes, there's some satire, you know, sewn in between the very factitious comments that we'll be making today. So welcome. Glad to have you here. Please like, comment, subscribe, all those good things. Yeah. Um, I mean, we get into some serious stuff here. We talk, It's mostly finance-based, but we also joke around like crazy. So if you ever are like, hey, that's not true or whatever, just remember, we're, we're just joking. You know, like you can't yeah. pin anything on us because it's uh, par- partially a comedy uh, kind of satire type of deal, yeah. dude. Just don't hold it against me. Last week, we tried to buy a power plant on an island we'd never heard about. So, you're, you yeah. know, it's kind of serious, kind of not. If I had the money, I would do it. I think it's a good idea for, like, an evil billionaire. So, we kind of broke that down. That's the kind of stuff we'd like to get into. Yeah, Curacao or Caraco or however you say it. I feel bad because I, I never have said it correctly one time. So, our friend Alumio, who called in, is probably like, fuck yeah. this guy. But, uh, hey, I know it exists now. <laughs> Uh, what you got on the trades there, Buddha? Yeah, so, all right, trade tracker. Um, on Okay, so two days ago, I sold the, uh, I sold the, er, the uh, uh, 363 strike um, 50 days to expiration um, uh, cash-covered put on SPY, S-P-Y. Um, I collected mm-hmm. 355. And then literally, obviously I was planning on holding this for, uh, you know, until about the 21 day till, uh, expiration timeframe, but literally it dropped from 355 to 255 in one day. They took a ton of the volatility out of the, uh, out of the pricing. And I basically made a hundred, you know, made, made a, a buck on that trade in a day. And so I just closed out of it after, you know, the, the very next day for, uh, 260. So actually 95 cents. You know, I'm, I'm, rather than, you know, sacrifice one in the hand for two in the bush, I'm just going to, I'm just going to collect my cash here and, and move on to the next trade because um, they took a lot of the, uh, they took a lot of the IV out of spy. It went from around 60 uh, IV, uh, IV rank of around 60 to an IV rank of around 34 in um, the past two days. So, um, oh, wow. Yeah, pretty big IV crush in there, which is was good for me as the option rider. Not so good if you uh, if you're on the other end of that trade. So yeah, I took my cash and moved on. Uh, today, this morning, right at open, I got into GD. Uh, sorry, GDXJ, which is uh, the uh, market vectors ETF for uh, gold mining, and. Um, I entered at the 49 day till expiration. I, I sold the, uh, I sold the, uh, $28 put. Um, and you know, this, this, I was using, uh, multiple, multiple lots. Uh, but, um, it was around 63 and it had an IV rank of around 63 when I, um, when I, uh, wrote that option. And since then it dropped to 57. So I haven't made a whole lot, but, um, uh, yeah, I sold it for 55 cents. It's now currently at 47 cents. 
And uh, I'm just going to, I like where I'm sitting at. IV still high in it. So um, it has a long way to go. And I'm planning on just sitting on it until the 21 data expiration. And um, what, and what got you into this trade? How did you even discover this setup? Well, you're talking about uh, you're talking about a, an index I have never touched. Yeah, so I mean, basically, uh, I played the game where I was uh, selling options in individual stocks for a long time. Um, you know, I got burned a couple times because if you're selling options in individual stocks, those you know those stocks are subject to you know the volatility of, of extreme binary events, right? Uh, specifically, uh, I was selling uh, puts in discovery, uh, uh, the, Disco the stock discovery a couple of years ago. Well, what happened there? You know, I, I think I, it was at like 60 bucks. I was selling, uh, I was selling puts in it for like 45 and it dropped to like 25 and I lost my freaking ass in that. Um, uh. But uh, so anyways, I basically have set up a watch list for highly liquid ETFs. And then I uh, then I rank those or then I uh, can set up, you know, I've set up set up filters for, uh, you know, the ETFs that have the highest volatility and highest uh, IV rank. So two separate things here that are interrelated, right? Uh, volatility is, hey, how much does the stock move around, right? If it if the stock goes up and down, you know, 10, 20 bucks or whatever, uh, or 10 or 20% in single days, it's going to have high IV as opposed to something that is a lot more stable, right? Uh, it's going to have lower IV. Sure. Well, the higher, the higher IV, um, the higher, uh, the prices you can demand for, uh, for an options contract or the more it costs you as the options contract purchaser, I typically sell options contracts, right? Um, so basically, um, I look for high IV stocks, but then the IV rank is a like a derivative of the of the uh, volatility. An IV rank gives you an indication of how of where the current IV is compared to the historical IV. So not only you know could it be a stock with a high implied volatility, but if it's moving around, if the price is, has, if there's a lot of recent volatility, that is what the IV rank gives you. So basically, um, I've started selling uh, cash covered puts in highly liquid ETFs, right? Liquidity is key because if it's an illiquid underlying, then it's going to be very difficult to get in and get out of, right? especially when you're trying to get out of it, if it's gone against you and you could be screwed. Right. So, um, you know, the first thing you want to look for is liquidity and the best, you know, the biggest indication there of that is, is, uh, you know, you don't want anything more than like a 10 cent difference between the bid and ask price of that individual stock. Right. Or of that sure, uh, sure. in that, in the option chain. Um, so anyways, yeah. Uh, I look for high IV and then high IV rank. And then, you know, as that stock, uh, gets less volatile uh i basically try and cash in on that uh iv crush and and uh theta decay so you've got filter my... set up so you're not arbitrarily moving around you're doing the smart thing you've got filter set up that should bring a, a list of your your top picks for the week or the month to the top of the list yeah yeah exactly and it's you know it's pretty mechanical right like i don't really give a shit what the underlying is um i look for 
you know, first I look for how many days till expiration. I look to enter at 45 to 60. Um, then I look, you know, it has to be a, but for me, it has to be an ETF, right? Which isn't going to be subject as much to the enormous price swings and binary events like a single, you know, company is subject to. And then I, uh, I, um, uh, look for, uh, yeah, it has to have an IV rank of above 50. And then, um, I typically never go closer to the strike price than the, you know, 16 to maybe if I'm feeling super aggressive, like 20 Delta. Um, and the Delta, if you have that set up on your, the side of your option chain is a quick back of the hand method for determining the percentage probability that that strike price, given the current conditions will end up in the money. So, um, does that all make sense? (laughs) (laughs) Rambles for five minutes. Uh, in conclusion. Yeah. And and, you know, a lot of money, some days I don't, you know? Yeah. A lot of this, uh, isn't going to make sense if you haven't looked at an option chain before, but if you're slightly familiar, you know, hopefully you're able to, uh, you know, parse some of what I said and, um, a little bit of that makes sense. Um, and I think you this don't is all know what, what Buddha is talking about. His only fans account accepts donations for options education. That is true. We should set up uh, a Twitch. We should set up a Twitch and teach people. Yeah. No foot stuff. No foot stuff. Fine. Only on Wednesdays. <laughs> no, n- no one asked what. Anyways, look, uh, what else is going out going on in the world? Uh, we're going to get into China, dude, and all the shit going on there. Um, so, you know, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to the news, but um, there's a serious run on uh, the, the uh, Chinese banks right now. Um, obviously, we all know about the uh, Evergrande default, right? If you uh, uh, if you're you know, you pay attention a little bit to the news. Most people know about that. Uh, the Chinese housing market is in an absolute crisis. Um, and long story short, people are trying to pull their money out of the banks. There's a ton of liquidity issues with the banks not being able to meet their debt obligations and therefore, uh, you know, kicking the, kicking the, uh, uh, can down the road to the, uh, uh, to their customers and not allowing their customers to withdraw their deposits, which is freaking crazy. I mean, it's like some, uh, you know, some, uh, great depression era type stuff. Um, and the so. last time we did something crazy like that in the United States was probably when we, uh, told all Americans to turn in their gold and, uh, stop crying about it. And we just handed everybody some cash and said, you cannot own gold. I think, I think that's the probably craziest parallel that we've had in recent history. I mean, you could go back far enough to the depression when we had bank runs, and that's another that's another fifty years behind uh, when we ripped the gold out of everyone's hands. So this is uh this is one of those giant financial mm, I don't know if I want to call it shit storms, but just interesting aspects of when uh, all of a sudden the government doesn't allow you to do what you thought you'd be able to do, and it creates a serious schism in between your trust and uh, your bank and your government. And if that stuff gets out of hand, then we have real issues. What I think is unique, Travis, is that in China, these guys have been pushing money out of the country every which way. My in- my in-laws are from China originally, and they do not. <laughs> they have business in China, and they do not want a single dollar to be in that country. All their colleagues don't want a single dollar to be in that country. If they can put it in a house in another 
in another nation, whether it's Canada, the United States, South America, they do it. They use houses as bank accounts. It's part of part of why we've got these uh, residential neighborhoods in Vancouver and, and other areas across the states that are just blowing up. You have blocks and blocks of Chinese businessmen just buying properties to get their money out of the country in a way that does not raise suspicion to the uh, CCP. It's pretty wild. We're going to talk a lot of shit on the uh, Chinese Communist Party, and I do not want anyone to think that we are like, uh, you know, we're, we're like talking shit on the Chinese pe- people uh, by any means. I, I view the CCP as a, uh, at, you know, they basically have set up this enormous prison system, and their their citizens are basically the inmates, um, and uh, you know. We're wa- we're watching the uh, results of that right now as as they're rolling tanks into the street to protect these banks and um, you know you're having the general public uh, enter these violent clashes with the police and the Chinese National Guard you know and these people are literally starving and the craziest part about that is you know in these provinces you know they, the Chinese really obviously clamped down on COVID um, everyone has like these indicators on their phone of like what the current condition is. And in these provinces where these bank runs are happening, the COVID indication things on their phone are telling everyone that the COVID threat is so high that they have to stay in their houses. Um, so, uh, oh, no kidding. Um, I think I was Reuters, but um, yeah, people are being told to stay indoors uh, because of COVID when, when really um, uh, there may be ulterior motives there um, in terms of the government uh trying to clamp down on its citizens and, and keep them in check and keep from protesting and, and uh, trying to get their cash out of the bank. Um, yeah, but it's crazy, dude, because, you know, you have all these businesses and stuff buying up real estate and, and things in Canada and the U.S. You know that um, all, the, all the intellectual property and every business is inextricably intertwined with the CCP. So, um, you know, they're, in that lies an existential threat to to the countries in which this money is flowing. Um, and it's kind of a tricky situation because these people are somewhat of, uh, uh, you know, uh, finance, financial refugees. However, you know, where where does their allegiance to their to the CCP end and, you know, their their. Uh, their own personal endeavors start and it's 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 a tough line of demarcation to draw speaking of like the disinformation efforts that come into any country that is manipulating things and trying to get the population to to, uh quiet down another piece of disinformation that china was running here was that henan in henan province the police were um publishing articles into the newspapers saying that a criminal group had actually taken control of several banks in the rural areas of the province and was in the process of trying to move out funds from those banks. So in in this province where people have been locked out of their bank accounts and can't get access, the police are basically saying they've locked everyone out and they're not moving moving money around right now because bad guys have actually taken control of the accounts. And it's like, what are the odds of that being plausible? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's the communist playbook, right? Or the disinformation playbook: deny, deny, counter, accuse, right? Uh, create an enemy um, and refocus refocus the uh, the people's anger on that, right? Um, I mean, and, the United uh, States is pretty good at that. 
<laughs> I mean, you know, and it's not, and it, I'm, you know, I'm going to pick on Joe Biden here, uh, but uh, you know, I feel like every politician. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's just becoming more and more evident because, like, I'm smarter than I was 15 years ago, uh, or whatever, or I care more. But uh, yeah, I mean, look at uh, look at how we're trying to twist twist the definition of what a recession is around now. I mean, it's obviously, we're obviously in a recession. We're obviously facing record inflation here, yet there's no, there's no sense of accountability from our leaders. And, you know, I, I feel like if they came out and if, if Biden came out and was like, Hey, yeah, we, we had to print, you know, a shitload of money over the course of the pandemic to keep the system from collapsing. It started under Trump. I continued it. And, uh, you know, we, we're, you know, we recognize that, uh, you know, rampant inflation was going to be most likely one of the, uh, one of the symptoms of that. And, uh, yeah, you know, we're trying to deal with it the best we can. And, uh, and I can assure you, we have our best and brightest on on it and we're going to, we're going to deal with it yet. No, he comes out and says, Oh, it's not actually, you know, we're, we're inflation is going to be in check and, uh, and, uh, we're not actually in a recession. And it's like, what I think it just slowly, you know, and hearing press conferences like that so often slowly just erodes our, my trust yeah. in our in our elected officials. And um, well, yeah, yeah it's annoying that every press conference, pick your president, pick your governor, but every press conference is just constantly deny, deny, and adjust the audience's focus, right? And yeah. you know, give give you my two cents on why this is happening, and then have you look over here. It's it's chronic. I'm so happy. It's just so frustrating to listen to the crap that gets published. And, you know, no one can deny that it is hard to get your hands on the right information out there. But when you look at, let's say, your own industry, you look at your time uh, with your full-time job and you see how things are being reported on how your own industry works or how something that you specifically know works and you see how that is slightly inaccurate or there's some reporter that just said something that's completely made up or it's going to confuse people on what reality is you start looking at these broader subjects these large large um punch points and things that are happening in the world and who knows what's who knows what's real and not real truth doesn't really exist it's kind of what everyone believes has happened you know it's yeah, pretty I mean, freaky really what at the risk of sounding cliche, it's, it's, it's straight out of like a 1984, this Orwellian, uh, uh, you know, playbook of, but, in fact, um, real quick, let's just flash forward to the year, you know, the year 2032, you know, we'll be sending weapons to the Taliban. <laughs> like stuff like that is just insane. Yeah. Like China, China will have, China will be the next empire that tries to take, uh, Afghanistan. Travis, we've got the U.S. Ministry of Truth in here with us. I don't want to say anything we might regret. Wow, dude. Uh, they came in right at the right moment. We were just talking about... Uh, we were We've just been hanging out for about uh, 10 minutes, actually. So oh, shoot. We got What's it up, all guys? already. Yeah, we were just talking about George Orwell. Uh, hey, at least in this... Um, at least in this country, like, we can say stuff like this and, like, we don't disappear the next day, you know? Uh, that's not a guarantee in China. If this was China, we'd have to be, like, wearing masks and uh, running our IP addresses out of some out of some sort of uh, spoofed type of deal. Or else we would, us and our families would be disappeared. 
Speaking of what you can and can't do, we're going to get slightly non, non-financial, but can you imagine being locked up in the United States for a marijuana offense while the United States argues and negotiates to get Brittany Griner of the WMBA out of Russia for a marijuana offense? What? That arms dealer we finally arrested after like years of, of financing and selling arms to you know, in every every freaking third world conflict across the entire world, that guy we finally got. Could you imagine being like the uh, the State Department or FBI or whoever was like <laughs> you like hung your hat, you like hung your hat on the hook, and that was your, like your career to bring that guy down, and now we're exchanging him for we're just yeah, and I we need to get Brittany Griner back, and um, all you know a handful of other. Uh, 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 people that Russia has taken, but um, man, I'd oh, be you mean I'd have mixed Travis? I believe you've that. been referring to the merchant of death that we're giving up for a WNBA player who wanted to smoke weed in Russia. Yeah, and look, she's an American oh, citizen, so we need to get her back. Like we have to get her back, but you know, uh, I don't know. You know, once you start, um, once you start making. Once you start uh, making these compromises, like I don't think we should have exchanged those Taliban dudes for Bo Bergdahl back in the nah, day. No, like no, we should no. have tried to get him back, but dude, uh, oh, I, don't know. I wish that was still fresh in my mind. I I dug so deep on that story one weekend. It was what an insane situation. There were so many American soldiers that were just pissed about that. Oh my god, dude! Brittany was traded for Victor Brout, who was who has been in a prison in Illinois since 2011. So the, I, I, dude, I honestly, firmly, I spent about half an hour reading about this entire situation yesterday, which is not enough time, but it's at the top of my mind. I, I honestly think Russia was just like, you know what? If they want her back, let's just get let's just get the worst motherfucker that we can get out of the jail system in the United States. Like, let's just get the one guy that they'll they'll, they'll never say yes to. Let's just see. If we've got the leverage, like we really don't give a hoot. Russia's like, eh, we don't give a shit about this situation. So let's just see if we can get the United States to bow down. And and they went for it. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty nuts. Um, shifting gears back to China, dude. Have you seen sure. that the uh, the FCC is trying to uh, let's let's get back, let's put our finance hats back on because you know what we market ourselves as like a little as a finance podcast here, and uh, you know let's put our finance hats back on. Let's look at a situation, right? The FCC is trying to get Apple and Google to delist TikTok. They're trying, or, and the government's been trying to ban TikTok. So, like, yeah. how do, what's the what's the play there well, for us to make money off of TikTok freaking oh, sinking like yeah. a ship? Uh, well, first of all, you'd have every American influencer that is using short form video content jump over to. YouTube stories and Instagram reels. So I suppose Facebook and uh, Google are probably putting a ton of money into trying to shut down TikTok right now. Uh, Is there an immediate impact on that? I'm not so sure. I can't think of anybody that stands to be completely crushed by, uh, you know, an apparent absence of uh, TikTok from the nation. That's a good one to think about, though. That'd be pretty wild. Yeah, yeah, it is. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mull over that one for a little bit. Uh, any listeners out there, if you have any plays, please feel free to share. Um, but yeah, I mean, TikTok objectively bad, right? It's like, I mean, at this point, it's like, 
like go back to like 1938 and it's like it's like you're uh you know and you have an app on your phone and it's like a super fun app that you just can't put down but it's like it's like built by the nazis like that's that is tiktok and anyone let's, who- let's just break it down like we get it every single firm tracks our data everyone figures out how to target you with advertising here's the difference the department of defense does not there's actually a mandate that if you're in the DOD, you may not download and use TikTok. Why is that? Because not only is TikTok taking your data like every other company out there, but TikTok is using that <clears throat> to basically conduct um, anti-operations against the United States. What do I mean? Well, picture this. Picture this. Let's imagine you have thousands of troops that are mobilizing and, I don't know, 10% of them have TikTok. And because they're using TikTok... China can actually triangulate where those guys are, what they're doing, and oh, look at that. We know via their Facebook that they're in the U.S. Navy. So if I know 40 sailors who are in the Navy and are stationed in San Diego and are all subscribed on Facebook to this command and that command, if I know that their location is now the middle of the ocean or that they have all of a sudden just disappeared and not been on TikTok for for 12 days, I know they're probably deployed. And it's just one... That's kind of a weak example, but it is very, very specific intelligence. No, that they, no, it's, that they no, are it's not. Remember, uh, hey, and we, sorry, we have one caller real quick. Roger, we're going to get to you in one second here. But if you do remember in 2014 when Russia invaded Crimea and the government was like, we oh. didn't do it. It's not us. Blah, blah, blah. And like, we were like, yes, it is. Here's all your fucking soldiers posting their shit on Instagram and on Snapchat. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's same, good. Same deal. You also have the CIA base, the CIA base that was found in Saudi Arabia, but there was a soldier using um, like a fitness watch and that fitness watch was, you know, reporting to a cloud and it was found off of a cloud. Like people could see he had been running laps around the base. Wow. Yeah. All right. I think that's four or five years ago. We have Roger and I calling in. Um, let's take this really quick. Roger, not only does he have a tinfoil hat, but he has a cat in his picture that's also wearing a tinfoil hat. I fucking love it. Well, so uh, let's, uh, let's go ahead. Yeah, let's talk to Roger here real quick. Roger, what's going on, man? Uh, hi. Um, sorry to disappoint you, but it's a, a, um, an old meme, actually. But, uh, oh, dang it. Okay. But it, it's a good one, right? So, it is um, a good one. It is a good one. Where are you calling in from, Roger? I'm calling in from Portugal. Oh, great, great. Great wow. to be on the show. This isn't uh, propaganda. If you're caught in the Russian army with a phone, uh, expect to be disciplined. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, because a couple of points here, right? If you walk, you can't walk into a battlefield with a phone um, because we know that, um, you know, one of the ways of target, you know, you can target a drone to a phone. Oh yeah, absolutely. I yeah, think you're oh, seeing yeah, it. I think you're seeing so, a, a great job. I, of- I'm always dubious about um, uh, video footage from war zones, especially if it's mobile phone recorded. Uh, because principally, if you're in the army, right, you're not going to. The chain of command is not going to allow that. And if they find out you're doing it, um. You're in trouble because you're risking the whole, the whole team. Sure, You've got I, and your I, location I, beaming out everywhere. And and Roger, I, I I do agree with you, and I think in the top tier units, uh, 
uh, emissions control, uh, which is what we call that, is is of utmost importance because uh, it's right. it's understood by those so, units. But when it comes to uh, you know big mass units of Russian conscripts and kids who don't even want uh, to who are, would you risk being caught doing that? Well, um, and what what I was getting at here before uh, um, Roger was that the top tier units, those guys are absolute professionals, probably from both Ukraine and Russia, like the Spetsno- Russian Spetsnaz, the Ukrainian Special Forces guys. They're mm-hmm. not doing this stuff. So the videos you see um, are just are are most likely like general yeah. conscript got Russian kids who are like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen years old who are highly undisciplined. Uh, you're, you are not going to stop a kid from having his phone. Uh, and it doesn't matter. Well, yeah, the, or the United States, uh, hold on. we've got guys filming stuff in every single war zone. Everyone, everyone has cameras when they're not supposed to. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, everyone but, doesn't follow the rules. But here's the thing. I mean, I get that. and I know it can happen. What I do understand is that what's been happening a lot is that the um, soldiers from either side, I think that's very important here, from either side have been picking up phones that they find sure. rather than phones that they own. Maybe so. I don't, I don't know what the stats are. There's no that. way. You're, there's no way you're letting a grunt go in. You're so, the, the grunt's not going in with his personal mobile phone. If, if you failed at that level, you're in trouble, right? Well, they, they I, definitely I think, fail at that level. Though. I think they <laughs> fail at that the level. They are in trouble, and those kids are going in with their phones. And yeah, yeah, and, okay, uh, but no, no, they're not. Maybe they're maybe not. I, I, I don't think they are. I think they're picking the phones up. Oh. Well, yeah, I guess we disagree there, but um, nevertheless, Roger, thanks for calling in. We really appreciate it. No worries, it. Uh, and we'd we'd love for you to uh, like and subscribe. No worries. Take it easy, guys. All right, you too. <laughs> We could talk about your typical United States conscript and how uh, how badly Let's, they don't uh, want to follow the rules. <laughs> yeah, so uh, both me and Fat Mac have uh, have a lot of uh, experience in that field. We're not going to get into it too much, but um, and I think I think uh, definitely to someone who who may maybe not may not be as dialed in. You know, you you kind of think of the military and you think of this, uh, you know, it, this precise exact you know you, you see the stuff in the movies of military bearing where the, you know you, you kind of get this Im- impression that like you know the military members are robots and and uh, that's definitely not the case i think uh you know uh that is a, a big misconception and um people are people and i do think the military tends to be more disciplined than the civilian side of the house but uh still a lot of just regular human problems you run into uh all the time u.s ministry of defense you're the only one who's hung with us throughout this my brother or sister thank you what do you got you have anything for us chat us Man, yeah well there's a brewery there's a brewery with my name on it right now i'm one i'm one ahead of you already dude what have you been drinking what was that stuff uh keystone or whatever no, it's it's Hardywood Bourbon Barrel Crew. So it's an Abbey style quadruple aged bourbon whiskey. Uh, sorry, bourbon whiskey ale. It tastes really good. It's twelve percent, but you know what, dude? This thing just makes me freaking gives me real bad diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. 
But, and uh, yeah. I think we lost Ministry of Truth. All right, folks, we're going to wrap it up right there. <laughs> Sorry, Ministry of Truth. Um, that's not disinformation. You can hang your hat on that. All right. Anything All right, else? I'm out of here. It's time to kick off the weekend. All right. I will catch you on. Uh, I'll catch you later, dude. Let's do this again soon. Sounds good. Later. Share with you my story, will you share?